Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to another week of Loon Talk. Jonathan Harrison here. No Dan Terhar, out for personal reasons. Dan, can't wait to have you back on the radio broadcast coming this Saturday. We're all thinking about you and your family uh, through this time. AJ Fredrickson joins us in his place. Uh, so just two of us on the show tonight. AJ, how you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Jonathan. Uh, first off, I do want to congratulate you on <laughs> your first debut of uh, MLS play-by-play. We saw yeah. that on action uh, last night. Depending on when you're listening to it, it was on Tuesday night uh, against LAFC. I listened back to a majority of the game today while I was kind of working from home. You did a really good job, man. You Appreciate did- it. It was, uh, it was fun. Uh, you might be able to hear it. You might not. My voice still is recovering from going 90 minutes strong. I had uh, Minnesota United Director of Player Personnel Amos McGee with me. He was awesome. Uh, can't thank him enough for coming and joining me for the entire broadcast. But yeah, as AJ said, Dan was out, uh, so I took his place on Tuesday night as the play-by-play for the radio broadcast and the host as well. It was a fun night. AJ, you were at the game. We will, uh, let's, well, screw it. Let's just start with that game then. Let's start with LAFC. Uh, let's get your thoughts. At, Cause you were sitting in there. You were, uh, you were at Allianz Field enjoying the game from some pretty sweet seats. Thanks, Callum Williams. Uh, how did you, what was, what are your thoughts of the game? It was a refreshing turnaround from what we've seen the past yeah. three matches from this team. Um, it, it, I think that's the blatant, like the very obvious thing, uh, to start off with. Possession-wise, it was about 50-50. I believe the actual technical number was like 46-54 for possession. Um, But I think a lot of the draw and a lot of the crowd, at least that I saw around Allianz Field, was we know this is an important game, an important rebound. I think maybe the feeling was, you know, if we come away with one point, based on how the past three games have gone, we're going to be fine with that. It's a very good team, best team in the Western Conference still. Um, And a lot of the crowd was arguably there to see the likes of uh, Vela or Chicho Arango or the five-time Champions League winner Gareth Bale, which I know I was a part of that crowd partly. Mm-hmm. Um, but for how much I think we all wanted to see them, and I know Vela did on the did get on the score sheet in the second half. Wonderful goal. Very, very nice. But that was um, a very strong defensive effort by the back line, which – um, Will Trapp and Michael Boxel in the middle. Not excuse me, uh, not Michael Box, but Brent Coleman in the middle. Um, they commanded the the the, uh, the back line last night. It was very impressive how they were able to limit um, that very explosive front three that LAFC is going to roll out there because mm-hmm. it's at times overwhelming for a lot of teams. But they were really able to, despite it being like fifty fifty ish possession. I felt like they controlled the game for a majority at times, especially in the first half. They look really strong, especially right down to those final few seconds where they bag that, uh, that opener um, off that corner. But uh, no, I, I, for like a quick summary of it and just overall thoughts were, it was a good draw as much as you want to get all three points there and really like get that, uh, that hard step back in the right direction. It's a small pivot to the right direction, uh, getting one point off LAFC at home, that does kind of complicate a few things just because you do want the three. But um, I'm not a guy that was walking out of there shaking my head like, oh, God, you know, they should have read. I was fine with it. I was very content because it was a very well-played game on both sides mm-hmm. of the pitch. So it was, it was – uh, I was impressed. What were your thoughts from the uh, from the booth? 
Uh, from what I can remember, because I kind of just blanked out and just did the match and just don't remember much of it like I normally do, because normally I'm on the analyst chair, so I do pay attention and remember stuff. But this time I was just so focused and hyper-focused on doing you know, the job of a play-by-play guy for the first time. But from what I remember, I... I enjoyed the match. I felt like it was a very well-played match, very back and forth. There's some chippy moments. There's some questionable moments uh, from the referee. We'll get to those in a little bit. But overall, I think the last two performances, I know one of them was a loss, are more encouraging uh, coming off of two two straight 3-0 losses uh, from the way they played in both of those matches. In Portland, you can argue, and you can be pretty pretty comfortable in this argument, that they were the better team. Yes, they lost. Yes, they gave up the goal to... Uh, I can't remember his name at this point. My mind's all kind of frazzled. Uh, Asperia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They gave up the goal in the 64th minute uh, to Portland. But for the majority of that match, for the majority of the Portland match, they were were the better team. They were the more dominant team. They controlled that match uh, despite being without a number of their key players. Like playing a formation they haven't played all season. And playing guys out of position and playing uh, different combinations of players they haven't played together in a long time. I thought they were a very dominant team in Portland, just didn't get the result to go their way. And then you back that up three days later, which not a lot of people are talking about right now. Only three days later, you're at home against the best team in the Western Conference. Yes, they've been struggling of late for four losses in the last five matches going into Tuesday night's match. But still, it's LAFC. It's it's all the talent that they've accumulated over the last couple of years, and especially this last summer. And you still go toe-to-toe with them. Those are two very encouraging uh, performances from the team. I don't want to say results because you'd like to get more points. But the way they performed, those are two very encouraging performances going into the next three games, which are against teams that are firmly outside of the playoff races, despite them not being those teams not being eliminated from playoff contention yet. Yeah, and going back to that Portland match that uh, you were talking about, they were the better team for that full 90 minutes. I know they the, the 64th minute or whatever it was when Esprit mm-hmm. scored, you could say, okay, that was the one time that maybe they were faulted, but um, we heard it on the broadcast when we brought uh, the audio from the Valley sports North call with uh, the coach uh, Adrian Heath. Mm-hmm. His first reaction was that sucks. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing here, but <laughs> that sucks. we, we were, we were the better team. We deserved not just one, but probably three points tonight. Um, and you know, a lot of what he was saying was along the lines of there's some, there's some nights I talk to you guys and I know exactly who I'm going to go in the locker room and yell at and what I need to criticize, but I'm not sure I could have asked for more from my team tonight. Mm -hmm. They were simply the better team. They had like double the shots that Portland had, um, possession wise. They did trail in that slightly, but that we've seen from this team, especially possession doesn't mean anything to an extent it, it factors into the result, but you can't just look at that and say, okay, they, they had 60%. So they were in charge. No, that's not, that's just not how that works. Um, They were the better team for that 90 minutes. So to miss out on a full three, but at least one point is kind of a a kick in the shin. Um, But to bounce back three days later, 72 hours against the best team in the Western conference that has all that firepower, not just up front, but you know, really in the midfield as well. You, you steal. I'm not going to say you steal a point, but you you get a point that is crucial to these final. What is it? Three now for the for the mm-hmm. whole final stretch here. Yep. Getting that one and keeping yourself in that heavy mix of 
you're you're still in a playoff spot, which I don't think was ever really in doubt, but you're still battling for a home playoff spot. And that's still mm-hmm. very much in, in, in grabs for what they have here down the final three, uh, three games. Yeah. That, yeah, they have all the opportunity in the world to jump back up and snatch that home playoff spot. We'll look at some of those matchups coming up later on in the evening, but I want to talk about your guy though. The guy you went to see last night or on Tuesday night, whenever you're listening to this Gareth Bale, they have not been good when he's been on the field. It's been, what, seven, ten, ten games now that he's played for them. Uh, only two starts. Yesterday was, I believe, his second start for LAFC. Uh, I was buzzing. And, I did, I oh, I can imagine. I, I was expecting maybe a, a late cameo, and I I, I get it. They mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't really fit in as well as they were, were hoping when the uh, signing first came out. But to, when I got you know, to the concourse and walk around, I kind of sit down at the seats and I'm like, okay, oh, it's 45 minutes. I missed the lineup cards. Let's go take a look. <laughs> I go look at, uh, I go look at the loons. I'm like, okay, awesome. That looks fine. Full I strength. For, yeah, almost full it, strength. Yeah. For the most part. Um, and I go look at them and I'm like, okay, oh my, he's starting. <laughs> he's starting. Double um, striker. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I said the front three, but the front four for them, um, to going, going with the double striker and throwing him up there. I was both, very excited and scared for the loons because yeah. I, you know what he can do it, it, and he's not in his prime now 30 32 yeah i was gonna say 32 33 um he's he's not what he used to be i think he still shows flashes of it at times but it's just the it's the nostalgic factor but um i already talked about how good the defensive line was for the loons but they contained him Mm-hmm. And Arango, and for the until until that uh, that very beautiful goal, uh, Carlos Vela as well. Yeah, they were threatening. There were times where I was like, "Oh no, this could get a little out of hand if this bounces a certain way and this pass has a little more air on it, or something like that." But um, yeah, I don't know what it is because it's tough to see a player who I remember and I, I think we all know can be super super dynamic and just really yeah. control a game. Everybody remembers the run he made in the Champions League final where he basically gets pushed out of bounds and continues his run Mm -hmm. for like 70 yards and gets on the end of it. I believe either assists or scores on the goal, but it's one of the most incredible runs you've ever seen in a Champions League final. But yeah, you don't win that many Champions Leagues uh, and be a part of that many teams that are that good by just not being a world-class talent like Gareth Bale is. It's just, it has not worked at all for LAFC, and I can't place my finger on it. Uh, Amos McGee la- or on the broadcast said he noticed this right early on that they just weren't running. Like Carlos Vela, Chicho Arango, and uh, well, not Chicho Arango, he's, he was running all over the field, but Carlos Vela and Gareth Bale, they just weren't making runs at the Minnesota defense. They were waiting for the ball to get to them, and they were going to try and work it around then. They weren't trying to get in behind. The only guy who was actually trying to do that was Arango, and then he gets pulled off at halftime because he should have been <laughs> sent off with a couple yellow cards in a couple minutes. I mean, should have been gone. When he when he time-wasted, when he kicked the ball away, after the whist- well after the whistle, yes. that was, as Taylor Twoman pointed out on Twitter last night, that was a point of emphasis from the referees at the beginning of the season. Now, we all know that stuff kind of goes by the wayside at some point in the season, and Adrian Heath uh, said some things that will probably get him in trouble on the halftime broadcast on the halftime interview on the Bally Sports broadcast, but they they were he was right. You can't argue with him that he's 
he's not right because he's absolutely 100% right that for some reason, these big teams, they just get separate rules for them. LA Galaxy, everybody knows in this league, have had separate rules for them roster construction-wise for the longest time. They've had rules built into or made into the league or made from the league in the middle of seasons so they can get guys in to to help them out through the season. We've all known this. It's been just the worst kept secret in Major League Soccer. LAFC are now getting rules and stuff not called for them and called for them on the field because they are an uber-talented, uber-expensive team. And Adrian Heath's right. Chicho Arango should have been sent off for time-wasting mm-hmm. in the first half, right, like shortly after he got a yellow card for a hard foul on Emmanuel Reynoso, which was followed up literally 20 seconds later by another hard foul on Emmanuel Reynoso by Chicho Arango. He should have had three yellow cards in a matter of, like, what, four or five minutes? Yeah. It was... Yeah, Adrian Heath was 100% right, and Loon should have had a man advantage. But going back to the original point, that Gareth Bale and Carlos Vela just weren't making runs into the box, so it was helping the Loon's defense. I'm not saying that that's the only reason they contained him, but it's probably part of the reason why that team hasn't been successful with the guys they brought in. And it could have been, I know they went with the two-striker formation up top there, Mm but it almost sensed that they wanted Gareth Bale to maybe play like a false nine positioning and like slow things down and facilitate the ball rather than, Hey, you're going to make that run, which that's, that's not the style of play, especially when you have Carlos Vela where you are essentially placing. You're having him playing as as a 10. Yeah. So why would you do that to begin with? Um, Because I mean, Kellen Acosta got up the pitch quite a bit on that right wing. And I'm going to butcher his name because I don't remember it. I think it's like Buanga. I want to say, Buanga. yeah, Denny Buanga. Um, yeah, he uh, and he he was on the left side and he didn't look great, but uh, it, it was just a weird game plan. I feel like, and maybe that's just what they do. Maybe they were trying to switch it up based on. Like, well, they were. They had basically all of their wingbacks. One of them got injured, and then two of them were on suspension because yellow card accumulation and a red card. Ryan Hollings had got in the game the game prior to their game against Minnesota. So they were without their wingback, so they had to do a lot of switching in their formation, which is why you saw the three the three center back pairing, which I don't think they normally do. I think they're just generally uh a four a four man back line and they switched that eventually at at a certain point at the night when they brought Chiellini in. But for the most part they are generally a four man back line team, but they had to play three center backs because of uh, suspensions. So yeah, they had to change up their formation. It just didn't work for them for the most part. One, uh, it did not to change the topic fully here, but we talked about how, you know, Bale and kind of that front three had maybe not mm-hmm. the best day at the office. Somebody who on Minnesota side, maybe didn't have the, the best day or something. They're going to want to forget <laughs> about it. Udon Lottie. Cause I, yeah, I'll be lying. If I said like, when I when they announced throughout the PA system that he was getting taken, I first off I couldn't believe it. I I laughed because I thought it was like I thought I misheard it because yeah. I knew he came on at ha- like right after halftime, and then in a sixty first third something minute, maybe sixty seventh minute he was taken 67th off. Seventh minute he gets taken off for Rosales, yeah. um, and I know he had the yellow card at the time, but it's just like that is a terrible day at the office. You, like, well, he was it. getting, well, you remember he was getting into trouble. Essentially he was pulling the Chicho Aranga role. He had gotten a yellow card literally 10 minutes into the second half, 10 minutes into him getting on the field. And then he just kept getting in and just diving in and making stupid, dumb fouls that were very risky of getting a second yellow card almost immediately. So Adrian Heath had to do the safe thing to keep, to keep 11 guys on the field for Minnesota United and take him off 
seven or twenty seven minutes or twenty two minutes into into coming on the field. That is probably one of the worst performances among a a career of terrible performances from Abud and Lottie that we've seen in Minnesota Colors. And is it the last time we've seen him play for the Loons? I know they just brought him back this year, but I can't remember many moments of quality from him this year. He scored two goals. Great, but you haven't really done much else. And I know you have, I know the Loons have guys in front of him, but there was a chance there when Robin Lund had to go back into the midfield that Abu Dhanladi could have stepped up and taken over that winger role, but Banghukle Longwane, who hasn't been in the league that long, literally his first year in the league, takes that spot instead of Abu, who's been in the league for six, five, six years now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I just, I guess I've never been the biggest fan after the first year just didn't really work out. After the first stint didn't really work out. I didn't understand why they brought him back, but I was hoping that something had changed from Nashville and it just doesn't seem like much has changed. And last night kind of solidified everything that it just hasn't worked out for Abu. Unfortunately, I I wish it would because you can tell there's, there's something there. There's talent there. He's got all the speed in the world. It's just, he's never able to put it all together, unfortunately. And he came in for Robin Lud, who, in the first half also didn't have uh, a night. He's going to maybe ride home to Finland about because he eight ground duels that he only won two of uh, yeah. 60% pass accuracy. He lost. You got to imagine part of that's just the, the fact that he had played all 90 minutes. He had played yeah, a key part in Portland. Team, so he's probably a little, little show, gas, but, so. you know, when you lose possession 10 times in yeah. 45 minutes, that's uh that's not, not the greatest. No, that's not the greatest. Now, so the Loons lose to Portland 1-0 on Saturday in a game that they probably should have gotten at least a point on, if not all three. And I know fans don't want to hear that argument. They don't, they're kind of bored and sick of hearing that, but it's true. They played the bet. They were the better team in Portland. And then they get a point on Tuesday night against LAFC 1-1 draw. Next up for the Loons is a Saturday trip down to Sporting Kansas City, which has never been a place for memories to happen for the Loons, other than the one time they won 3-0 in the playoffs off of uh, Bakai Debasi's head a couple times. Uh, so 7 p.m. pre-match show, 7.30 p.m. kickoff with Dan Terrar and myself on 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com, and the free Score North mobile app. AJ will be joining us for the pregame show for Look Across the League. And speaking of that, AJ, let's jump into a little Look Across the League as we uh, look at some of the scores maybe a roster announcement, and then uh, playoff situations coming up. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. 
Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Yeah, you know, we uh, we had the late game on Saturday, Saturday night, so we didn't really have to dive too much into what happened prior to that. We know about the 3-0 battering from Seattle over Austin, so maybe let's look ahead to what happened here on uh, this past Tuesday and what kind of uh, effects and plays into the the standings that are going to really mm-hmm. affect this uh this team um it, it, honestly not not too much has happened here uh this week that's really going to play in uh but there are a couple games that i think you want to notice just one the upcoming ske- schedule for the loons they face sporting kc maybe not the the most impressive win but it's a three nil win over dc united so wayne rooney continues to to stumble there but uh kansas city will be flying high into this weekend against the loons um how much do you think jonathan that that um a three nil win momentum wise is going to maybe benefit them this coming weekend against a minnesota team that's looking to continue building momentum here into the postseason Kansas City undefeated in their last five all of a sudden as they look to keep the very slim chances of making the playoffs alive. I mean, at this point, they are hoping on other results going their way. They could be eliminated tonight if Real Salt Lake win or draw or LA win or draw at Vancouver tonight, which those games kick off a little bit later. Austin and Real Salt Lake kick off here in literally two minutes from when we're recording at this point. And then LA and Vancouver kick off at 9 p.m. on uh, Wednesday night here when we're recording. So uh, at this point, they're watching the scoreboard and hoping other teams can help them out and keep them alive. Otherwise, they will be eliminated. Minnesota fans kind of hoping that'll be the case so they won't come at them too hard on Saturday, uh, despite Sporting Kansas City always getting the better of Minnesota down in Kansas City. That, that one always nervous, always makes me nervous with how the Loons tend to play down there, whether Sporting Kansas City is bad or good. I mean, the only time they the Loons have ever played good is in the playoffs when they had to go down there and they won 3-0 in the playoffs in an almighty impressive performance. So maybe the Loons can draw something out of that, but they'll be without Emmanuel Reynoso, who is serving a yellow card accumulation suspension. So they'll be without Emmanuel Reynoso. Franco Fragapane does come back after two games off, so that'll be helpful. I have a feeling that there might be that formation switch again that we saw in Portland that may come up later. We'll talk about that, but uh, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what Adrian Heath puts out there and how he attacks this game because you still need as many points as you can get. This is a team, you're going up against a team that is uh, at the moment looking like they're going to be eliminated from the playoffs should results go their way or they could be facing playoff elimination if they lose on Saturday. But they are a team that has also played extremely well over the last five, including getting a 3-0 win over DC United the other night. So... I'm a little. I'm always nervous when it comes to Sporting Kansas City. I mean, they drew earlier this season up here at Allianz Field, so it, it's always an interesting rivalry between those two. It's not really much of a rivalry, to be honest with you. Teams don't really hate each other like they hate, like Portland and Minnesota hate each other. So it'll be interesting. I'm nervous about it, but it'll be interesting. I'm excited. Can't wait for the broadcast. Um, and going from talking about this coming Saturday, maybe let's head back to last Sunday when Dallas took down LAFC two to one uh, on this past uh, what was that Saturday? So mm-hmm. that is going to vault uh, FC Dallas up to forty nine points. They now have closed the gap, impressively enough, to mm-hmm. two points behind uh, Austin FC, uh, who have just been stumbling down this final stretch of the regular season. Um, for a team that I think when I had kind of started hopping on loon talk a little more regularly we were saying lafc's got one locked up austin they've probably got two locked up and no one's going to threaten them 
I'm not so sure anymore because now that gap is only two. And then if you get teams like Nashville or mm-hmm. Minnesota or Portland who can maybe steal, not steal, but maybe can secure seven to nine points, which for Minnesota could be possible. Nashville, they're going to have to get a big win uh, coming up here. Could be very possible as well, but that can move them out of that very comfy two and down to you're maybe battling for a home playoff spot Yep, just to begin with. So um, that is, that's going to be as interesting to watch. Uh, yeah. Austin after. have lost four of their last five. So that's a yeah. team that is tripping all over themselves, much like LAFC, but going back to the FC Dallas one, I don't know if you saw it, that first goal from FC Dallas to equalize, I think in the 77th minute, uh, LAFC get called for a foul right outside their own box. Uh, uh, FC Dallas was, charging down there at the end line, get called, uh, draw a foul. Uh, and Paul Areola, just MLS veteran, super savvy, realizes LAFC have turned off. They're focusing on arguing with the referee about the call. So he resets and starts play, gets the ball into Jesus Ferreira, and Ferreira's just right there, right inside the box, and just strikes it right past Maxime Crapeau for the equalizer. Had seen that uh, LAFC were focused on other things. They weren't focusing on stalling play and keeping the ball from going back into play. And... FC Dallas take clean advantage of it. That's a perfectly executed play. Uh, nothing dirty about it at all. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. So, yeah, LAFC known to have turn off, to turn off from time to time. And now whether they do that in the playoffs, which they've done before, will be interesting to watch. They're not really the most comfortable one seed going into the playoffs. But FC Dallas is a very red-hot, dangerous three seed now that uh, now that they've got Paul Ariolas in hot form. They got Ferreira back in hot form after he took a little summer slump. And now they got uh, Sebastian Legette right in form, trying to play his way back into the World Cup squad, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, just too far out. The midfield is in front of him. It played so well that it, it'd be hard to see for or Legette getting back into the squad, but he's got plenty of motivation in a new spot that he's actually played really well in. So FC Dallas are a very dangerous team going into the playoffs. Yeah, and they're going to keep the momentum high and probably maintain the spot that they're in at least possibly could put could climb uh after this weekend depending on how things shake out because they do have a 9:30 matchup this coming saturday against san jose and that will be um at paypal park so you gotta assume oh, that they, san jose you got easy win chalk that up as a win yeah um austin and nashville is my personal game of the week just because that's two teams yeah. that met so shortly ago um that Nashville's going to be still thirsty for blood. They're going to be trying to come out and close the gap that they have on Dallas. Um, they, they got three points against Austin. I want to say it was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was a three nil win, three nil win. So and for a team that I think me more talk about the, and I know they have Mukhtar, but we talk about the defense for Nashville pretty often. Um, mm-hmm. Very explosive night offensively. Austin's going to want a little, little revenge, but could be a head case game for them um, at Q2 Stadium on uh, at 8 p.m. this Saturday. That's going to be my almost must-watch, um, and you can catch that at, once again at 8 p.m. But uh, don't catch that, I should say, because uh, we'll be on the air. So check, yeah. out, uh, check out that one. Stay um, in our broadcast. We'll keep yeah. you updated throughout the show, though. Yes. Throughout absolutely. the broadcast. Do you want to touch on maybe some of the U.S. Men's National Team call-ups that was announced recently? Let's do this. I know you want to talk about one of the guys, so mm-hmm. let's just get that out of the way here. So the image is loading for me. Hold on one second. There we yeah. go. Uh, so the roster for the September matches, as announced, 
by the U.S. men's national team. You have Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Matt Turner uh, on the backside for goalkeepers. Reggie Cannon, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Sargenio Dest, Aaron Long, Chris Richards, Joe Scally, Sam Vines, DeAndre Yedlin, Walker Zimmerman on the back line for defenders in the midfield, Brendan Aronson, and I think there's no surprise there, Kellen Acosta from LAFC, Tyler Adams, Luca Della Torre, Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, and Malik Tillman, and then on the front side, Paul Ariola, who you just mentioned, Jesus uh, Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, and Josh, uh, Josh Sargent, which I am delighted by because that has a little bit of factoring into a former write that down by myself, uh, but he gets rewarded for his goal scoring prowess in the championship in England, which I think is very well done, but there are a couple, maybe a couple notable non factor or maybe uh, what's the, I, I, the word is escaping. players missing. Yeah. Non, non call-ups. I think that, uh, that people are looking for just cause you don't have um, the likes of Jordan P folk, in the mm-hmm. Bundesliga and Haji Wright in the Turkish Super League, they both have been impressive, but they don't get their impressiveness rewarded. Josh Sargent in the championship does. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. P Fox been in the comp- been in the team before. I think Baralter had comments about it today, saying it's it's not that he doesn't want to reward him for how he's played. It's just he's seen him before. He wants to see what these other guys can provide again and. Haji Wright just didn't perform well enough with the squad when he was here. So I think maybe that one's more of a write-off because you're thinking Turkish Bundesliga or Turkish League, Super League, and you're thinking German Bundesliga. You trust more what you're actually seeing with uh, what PFOC's doing for Union Berlin, which, God, I love that team. That team is so fun. That stadium is awesome. Um, but going back to the point they were talking about, the players, I think the one that stands out for me among the guys missing from the strikers, if my my roster here will pull up, is uh, I'm going to cut this out of the podcast. Can I, can I guess? Can I guess while you're doing this? Yes, go ahead. Um, is it because I, I have the name here? Is it Brandon Vasquez? Yes, it's Brandon Vasquez not getting the call up because he's a dual national. Could be called up to Mexico, but I don't see that happening. We'll see. But I think that's the one that shocks me the most that he's not called in. To see what he can provide, I get it's super late in the cycle that the World Cup is literally a month and a half away at this point, which just blows my mind that we're we're at that point already. But I get why he's not called in despite having an outstanding season for FC Cincinnati. Uh, 16 goals on the season, 5 assists, according to FBRF. I'm sure the assist number is different for MLSsoccer.com because they tabulate assists differently, and we've had that conversation plenty of times here on Loon Talk. Dan makes fun of me for it quite often. But yeah. The other the other names, I'm interested to see what Josh Sargent can do. Yes, he's in good form with Norwich. Uh, let's see how he brings that to the U.S. men's national team squad. I'm I'm not as high on him as you are. I'm not willing to write down that he's going to be the leading striker for this team, but he does do things that Greg Berhalter wants his forwards and wants his wingers to do. So we'll see how that goes. I still think Ferrer is going to be the number one striker for this team come November. Can I maybe throw out a name, and you can totally correct me on this, because this guy is very new to my radar. Okay. okay. Falaren Balagun. Yes. Arsenal product, who's on loan in France at Nice. Yes, but in five. Or not nice. or in, uh, yes, in Nice, I believe it is. In uh, seven matches 
for uh, where is it? Reams, Reams. Um, okay. In seven matches, five starts, he has five goals and one assist. Okay, the, so he's Why, a dual national who could play for England or the U.S. So that will come down to uh, Greg Berhalter using his using okay. his Nick Saban powers of recruitment and trying to get his him to passes. yeah. <laughs> his bounce passes and trying to get him to come over. So that's that one's always been up for grabs, whether they'll be able to get him to commit or not. Because yeah. he obviously, if you're going to have the U.S. or England calling you, you're going to wait as long as you can to see who's who's willing to give you the most for what he can do. But he's also a young kid. I wouldn't put the weight of the world on him and expect him to be able to come into the U.S. a month and a half before the World Cup and produce. I'd let him just keep developing in Liga and see what he can do this season and after the world cup bring him in maybe for those squads and see 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 if you can convince him to come over and join the squad or join the US and be a part of the team that'll host the world cup in in 4 years time so he's not going to get called in i don't imagine he'll be called in for the world cup because obviously he's never been into the squad before greg berhalter's not going to bring in someone who's never been a part of the squad going into the world cup when this is a really good chance for the US to do something that could have been like a Tom. This is completely different sports, but a Tommy Har or Timmy Har situation with the U.S. men's national team in 1980. <laughs> For anybody who out there has watched Miracle, um, who doesn't know like the actual main story, but basically, uh, Herb Brooks, within a month before the game, calls in. Timmy Har, who was lighting things up in college hockey for the Gophers, lighting it up. And then he puts up uh, like a goal and assist or whatever, and they're international friendly. And then they use it, the team, the rest of the team use it as a, you know, we're a family. He's not part of this. We are going to win it together because, you know, shake things up, shake things up. And maybe that's just total blasphemy that I'm even making <laughs> joke about this right now. But, um, but hey, you know, everybody, every, every team needs a Timmy Har. Absolutely. My, I'm also interested to see what happens at goalkeeper. I've always been on the Matt Turner train because at the, at when we were talking about it, when it was between Matt Turner and, uh, why am I forgetting his name now? Uh, Zach Steffen. I was on the train of Matt Turner cause I thought he was the better goalkeeper and he is, but he was also playing, but now Matt Turner's not playing all the time. He's getting spot starts for Arsenal while Zach Steffen has been playing, but now he's injured which is why he's not in the squad this time. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at goalkeeper with Horbath Johnson and Turner all in the squad. Does he give Turner both the starts to see if he can take over that role and be the number one keeper for the U.S., which I think he he's earned. I think he's absolutely earned it for for the run he had in the, the Gold Cup a couple years ago and how he performed for this team while Zach Steffen was out and not playing. I'm all on Matt Turner being this club or being the U.S.'s goalkeeper going into Qatar. So the U S men's national team, they have on the break, two friendlies that are set to be played the 23rd and 27th mm-hmm. of September. They will take on Japan and Saudi Arabia. I would like to see Matt Turner start against Japan um, and go from there because Zach Steffen, it, it, I think the past calendar year with his move from man city to Middlesbrough, like, Middlesbrough, um, I, I, it, unfortunately for him, in terms of like how the internet goes, I've seen more low lights than highlights from him. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of people yeah, maybe have bad. those fresh in the mind, which is doesn't do him justice. If he can be healthy, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure exactly to the extent of what his 
injury is, to be honest. But um, if he's healthy for guitar, it's it's like a coin flip to me. Um, at the end so, of the day, so far, according to FB Ref, Matt or Zach Steffen in the championship for Middlesbrough, five starts, played all the minutes in those matches, mm-hmm. uh, nine goals against in those five games. 12 saves on 21 shots against, so a 57.1 save percentage, which is gross. That's not good. Uh, No clean sheets, no wins, three draws, two losses. Obviously, wins and draws and losses are not a goalkeeper stat, but they do uh, pair them in with goalkeepers on FBRF. But the save percentage concerns me. I'm not a big fan of that because Matt Turner has always been a better shot stopper than Zach Steffen, and that's what you're going to need at the World Cup when you're going to be probably pinned back quite a bit against some of these teams, especially England, is I want a better shot stopper than I want a guy who can supposedly distribute the ball better, which I'm not even convinced about Zach Steffen that he can actually do that. Um, I'd rather a guy that stops the ball than yep. facilitates. I mean, what? That's your number one job as a goalkeeper. I don't care about your, your facilitation skills. Does it help? Absolutely it helps. But your number one job is stopping the go- stopping the ball from going in the net. That's the one thing you have to be great at before I care about what you do elsewhere. And Zach Steffen's just never been that convincing to me in that role. I don't know about you, but I prefer my international call-up goalkeepers to keep to the goal. Um, so I would rather I would rather have the guy that's going to stop it. And maybe this is just like the recency effect because I went back and I watched uh, the other night. Just you know, couldn't really sleep. The highlights of the. U.S. Uh, Mexico game where Ethan Horvath made that huge penalty yeah. save late, so maybe I'm just fluttering with that romantic, like romanticizing that moment right now. But I think he could potentially be the number two, um, just because the struggles. But you know, it, he's just you know, he's gonna be there for injury stuff, just in case. But Horvath <laughs> has also had his ups and downs as well. I mean, he's yeah. now but playing his, when, he, when he's yeah. on. He's on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Only given up eight goals in eight games this season, two clean sheets for Luton Town in the championship. So, yeah, he's having a little bit better of a run in the championship this season than Zach Steffen is. They, I think for Horvath, he's just hoping to get in as that third goalkeeper, but Sean Johnson's, at, at this point, I think Sean Johnson's going to be that guy as the third goalkeeper, kind of just the motivational guy in that locker room who brings some veteran experience, veteran know-how. Yes, he's never been to a World Cup because not a lot of guys on this roster have been. I don't think any of the guys on this roster have been other than uh, DeAndre Yedlin. He's the only one who's been to a World Cup on this roster, and that was eight years ago down in Brazil with Jurgen Klinsmann. So it's been a while, obviously. So yeah, Sean Johnson's my number three. I'd probably go Zach Steffen as the number two if he's healthy. And then Matt Turner is the number one. Yeah. And I, now that I'm looking at them, I, I need Matt Turner to start both these games. I need, I need to see him. I need to wake up on Friday, the 23rd. Why is, I I understand why it's so early. It's just because they're playing in Germany, but 7.25 AM start time for that. Yikes. If I, hey, thankfully we both work at home, so it doesn't matter anymore. Mechterspiel Arena um, over in Dusseldorf. So that, that'll that be a fun Friday morning um, to take on Japan. And then Gets it out of the way, at least. So, yes, yeah. And then uh, they got Saudi Arabia on Tuesday, the 27th. That one is a friendly 1 p.m., so that's that's a little nicer. But Insane. I, let's, get, uh, let, let's get Matt Turner between the posts. for in my. I would like to see him both. As yeah. the final tune-up, because I think you know, I think you know who the twos and threes are. I'd rather figure out who who the solidified one is. Yep, I'm all for it. You want to do the predictor? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Dan's not here to uh, uh, run us through it 
this week. So I will run us through what the predictor is. It is our one of our weekly soccer-related prediction segments. We predict score lines and the results. You get two points if you predict the right result and score line. One point if you predict the right result and no points if you don't get any of them correctly. So uh, let's do a quick recap of last week, starting with you, AJ. You got a point last week. You and Dan both got point one point each, uh, but your points still count for two as of this moment. Um, so right now, you got the point because you predicted a 3-2 Portland win last week over Minnesota. They got a 1-0 win, so you get one point for that. Your other results, you said it would be 2-0 RSL over DC United. It was 0-0, and then you did say it would be 1-0 Miami over Chicago. Chicago won that one 3-1, so you get two points for the evening due to your points counting double. Dan gets just the one point uh, because he predicted a 3-1 Philadelphia win over Orlando, and it was so very close to what I predicted. I predicted a 6-1 Philadelphia win. It was 5-1. So dang close. I know, I remember we were both watching that because I have the write that down, which will come up later, that they will score another six goal. They will have another six goal game. And Andy Greeter texted me or DM'd me on Twitter right before we were about to go on air. He goes, dude, you were so close to hitting him. Like, dude, I would have bragged about it during the pre-match show had that been the case. (laughs) But yeah, so... Uh, Dan gets the point for that. His other results, he said 2-1 RSL over DC United and then 2-2 for Minnesota-Portland. We all got the Minnesota result wrong. Uh, Dan and I did at least because I said it would be 3-3 Minnesota-Portland because you had convinced me that there would be goals. I went back and listened to the episode. You had convinced me that there would be goals based on how these two teams played each other last time. The other game that I did predict, so I've already told you about the Philadelphia-Orlando City one. You guys, I had come back in the middle of the, the predictions and you said you had both predicted Real Salt Lake and D.C., so I hopped on that bandwagon. But he didn't leave me any other choice, so I went with the boring nil-nil draw. And who knew? It worked! I got a nil-nil draw out of it. So I get two points there, so three points total on the weekend, bringing our goal totals up to the season. I'm on 40 points. Dan's on 31. AJ, you're creeping up on 22 points. So I will let you go first, sir. All right. I, uh, I'm going to save the Minnesota game for last. Okay. But the first one I'm going to go with just because we know how good they are. And I don't think Atlanta is as good as they are or they're they're just they're just not what I remember them being, I guess. Yeah. The past couple of years. Philly 3, Atlanta 1. Ooh. Atlanta just got the 1-0 win tonight against Orlando on the road. So, interesting yeah. result there considering what they're going through. Tago Amada scoring the goal there. Joseph Martinez did get on after being suspended by the team due to some arguments he had in the locker room. So Joseph Martinez may be on his way out of Atlanta United. Uh, that's a storyline to watch in the offseason. That'll be interesting. You know, Minnesota's name was tossed in there by some of the MLS pundits around the league as the team that should go out and get him. And he hasn't been that great since the injury, but if you can get back old Joseph Martinez and pair him up with Emmanuel Reynoso, by God, watch out. <laughs> Luis Maria, I love you, man, but... Whew, if you can bring back old Joseph Martinez for a year or two, that would be fun. Uh, but yeah, I like your result there. Uh, my first prediction, I'm going to pick on San Jose. FC Dallas play them this weekend. FC Dallas 3, San Jose nil. San Jose okay. still have five games to play this season. Yeah, and I'm because sure. Because they had a result postponed, because or they had a game postponed because of wildfires in the area. So they've got five games left to play over the next three weeks. Gross. I'm sure for them and their supporters, they wish they didn't have five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, they just want to be done. um, I, funny enough, actually have the same game for my second pick. Okay. Uh, 
I am not as strong on Dallas, though, as you are. So I'm going to still go no goals scored for San Jose, two for Dallas. I believe in their attacking front. I believe Ferreira just wants to go into the World Cup in form, and he has been playing in form lately, the two goals against LAFC. He's just been striking it clean lately. So I'm hoping he continues that form into the playoffs and into the World Cup because – Man, this U.S. squad with a striker in form after we had so much consternation about that specific role throughout the entire process of qualifying. And then you get Ferreira just lining it up at the end of qualifying and becoming that guy this season for FC Dallas. It would be amazing. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for Ferreira. Uh, the, my second pick of the day, Real Salt Lake hosting FC Cincinnati, who are undefeated. I believe it's in their last 10 matches. They are undefeated, and they've got one loss in their last 15 matches. FC Cincinnati. I'm not kidding about this. I look, I had to look it up. I'm like, okay, what's what's their result, results recently? And on FOTMOB, it shows their last five immediately, and it was undefeated in the last five. So I'm like, okay, how long does that go out? And it goes like 10, I believe. And then I looked further. It's one loss in their last 15, if, I did, if I'm remembering correctly. It was a couple hours ago when I looked at it. But FC Cincinnati on a roll here. I believe they'll take that into this weekend's matchup in Salt Lake and get a 2-1 win over Real Salt Lake, helping out the Loons down the stretch in the playoffs. All right. All right. Uh, so let's move to the... Saturday night game between Minnesota and Sporting KC. I know that Sporting KC are unbeaten in their past, what is it, four, five, five, five games. Um, and they're rolling in off a 3-0 win over DC United. And just a couple weeks ago, they had a big 4-1 win over Portland. And we know that they can. And I know the history between Minnesota and Sporting KC. I think that this Minnesota team, despite no Emmanuel Reynoso, is going to pull out the win get three points, and they're going to do it in a very, very gritty two-to-one fashion. Wow. Two-to-one Minnesota. I'm just looking up the past results between these sides at Sporting Kansas City in the regular season. Minnesota has got in uh, – that's the MLS's back tournament. We won't count that. In MLS regular season play between these two sides, taking out the playoff game. Minnesota has never gotten a win. They've been shut out in one, two, three, four, five. Five of the six matches they've gone down to Children's Mercy Park in regular season play and played and taken on Sporting Kansas City. They that is a house of horrors. It truly is a blue hell for Minnesota. You don't have a Manurino, so your backs are up against the wall against the Sporting Kansas City side that all of a sudden is striking a good vein of form over the final weeks, trying to keep whatever hope they have of making the playoffs in line. What did what I have written down here? On oh, the don't, tell, don't, don't tell me and the listeners that you're going to go against the Loons. What'd you say? You said 2-1 Minnesota? I said 2-1 Minnesota. Well, that's what I said too, so I have to change it. I'll change mine because I'm second no, no, no. guessing it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 1-1. I, I don't think – I want them to win. I really hope they can win. But the results go against – have gone against them so many times down in Kansas City outside of the playoff win. Prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. I would love to be wrong on this pick. 1-1. Before, before we move on to write that down, can I change my – I want to keep the same result but not okay. the same scoreline. I know I said a gritty 2-1. I think it's going to be a gritty 1-0. 
One it, wow, they get the clean sheet. They, get a, they not only do you, they get a clean sheet. It's wow. gonna be some. It's gonna be some Mender Garcia counterattacking goal. That's threat. Like I hit, it's gonna be in a counterattack. If and Dane St. Clair is gonna stand on his head. Yes. Yeah. I. They're gonna get a one nil win. I. I think they're gonna win. I'm banking okay. on them to win, but it's gonna be All one right. nil instead of two one. I like your positivity. All right. That has been the predictor. We don't have Dan's. I didn't want to bother him today. It's been yeah. been a day for him and his family, so we'll just let him let him uh, go through that. We won't bother him. He'll have his. We'll we'll track it. We'll get his results yeah. on Saturday when we talk before the broadcast, and we'll get his results, and I'll put him in the system here. Um, so nothing from him today for the predictor. Or write that down. Write that down is our second soccer related prediction segment of the show. We each make three soccer related predictions, not necessarily. Scoreline related, though you can predict scorelines in this if you want. Uh, we'll keep track of the correct predictions throughout the year. Call them goals. The winner uh, or the person who has the most goals will get the coveted golden boot, which is, I believe, the Adrian Heath gnome doll above my shoulder if you're watching the video version of this. Uh, so, AJ, let's do a quick accountability session here. We'll start off with you since you're you're on the, the lighter side of predictions so far this season since you joined us about halfway through. Plenty of stuff coming off the board this week for everybody just because it's that time of year. Everybody's predictions are starting to come off the board now that they made weeks ago. Andy Greeters counts for you. He said someone other than Boxy or Coleman will make a start at center back by the end of the season. I don't think he imagined that the Loons would go to a three-man back line and start Kamar Lawrence as a center back, but it counts, so you get a point there. Nicely done, Andy. Good boy, Andy. My guy. Well done. Because I think we were all just talking about the Loons, and I don't think any of us ever predict when the Loons are going to play a different formation, because it just rarely ever happens. They're always 4-2-3-1, so Kamar Lawrence stepping in as a center, as a left-sided center back gets you the point there, so congratulations there. You said Robert Lewandowski, as you called him, will score more than once in their opening championship or Champions League match. I don't remember who it was against, but he scored a hat trick, so you get a point there. You did say, though, there will be a red card shown between Minnesota and Portland. That didn't happen. You said Luis Amaria will score against Portland. The Loons marked their third game in a row without scoring a goal. So that brings you up to nine goals on the season. You're 9 of 24 this season. Everybody's pretty terrible at these. Uh, the batting average is pretty horrible, so don't feel bad about that, AJ. Dan's predictions, he's had plenty come off the board today. He said his first prediction of the year, removing the first four games of the year, Minnesota will have more points than they did last season, which is more than 49 after the first four games of the season. Minnesota so far have accumulated 37. They've got nine points left total. Do the math. 46 points is the most they can get. He has been eliminated from that pick. He said earlier as well, after this weekend, LAFC, Salt Lake, Austin, and Colorado will not be in the top four together for the rest of the season. Colorado can mathematically not get back into the top four. So, boom, point there uh, for Dan Terrar. Scrolling down the list here, a couple that are shaky for him. Only LAFC will stay in the top four all season long among LAFC, FC, Dallas, Austin, and LA Galaxy. Austin could fall out of that top four if results start going against their way or continue to go against their way. So we're watching that with shaky, shaky trepidation here. Uh, LAFC and NYCFC will win their respective conferences. I don't think NYCFC can win the East anymore. I think that one's solidly in Philadelphia's hands. And NYCFC can't win that because they're too far behind. He did say also Chicago and Sporting Kansas City will both finish last place in their respective conferences. And due to recent results, those are that's a very shaky prediction. 
He said DC United under Wayne Rooney will have a losing record. Well, they've lost six games so far, and they've only won two, so can't possibly, or only won once, so can't possibly get a winning record there, so he gets a point. So that brings his goal, to- goal total to 19 goals this season. Now going back to me, scrolling through the list here. Uh, I said earlier this year, Orlando will win the U.S. Open Cup final against Sacramento Republic in extra time. They won it in regulation 3-0 as, Sport- or as Sacramento Republic just kind of crumbled in the second half. Uh, so no point there for me. I said Minnesota United will get will not get 20 of 24 points to finish the season. They did not. They cannot. I think the most they can get is 15 points or 16 points, excuse me. So they'll come just short of it. I said by the time we were, I said this a couple weeks or last week, by the time we record again, Minnesota will be back in third place. Well, they're in fifth place, so not quite there. Uh, not quite close enough. And then I said Emmanuel, Eno- Emmanuel Reynoso will not get a yellow card against Portland. Well, thanks to not playing, he didn't get a yellow card against Portland. So cha-ching, tap in there, brings my goal total to 22 goals on the season. Uh, so now time for the prediction. Very long accountability session, as all of these will be down the stretch with plenty coming off the board. AJ, you started the last segment. I'll start this segment. Uh, starting off with... We will see Minnesota start at least one match with a 3-5-2 before the regular season finishes. So just coming off a couple minutes ago saying we never predict when Minnesota is going to change their formations. I'm predicting it. I am writing it down. Minnesota will go back to the 3-5-2. I'm not going to parlay it, but I will. I'll assume that it's going to happen this weekend. No, man, you already know. So why wouldn't you go back to it? Try it again. Get Luis Emery in there with Mender Garcia and Luis and, uh, uh, get Franco Fragapane in there, excuse me, with Luis Emery and, and Mender Garcia and see what you can have those guys do in a 3-5-2. Maybe you can have uh, Franco Fragapane kind of tuck back in as a as a winger in that one. We'll see. My first one is going to encompass all of Saturday and Sunday okay. for the MLS. All right. I see some matchups that I like. There's a couple pretty darn good teams playing some pretty darn bad teams. <laughs> I think that across Saturday and Sunday, there will be one. It, I'm not going to limit myself to one. At least one hat trick in the MLS. Ooh, I like it. So, so it, I like, that's, we... just, that's just Saturday and Sunday, not including tonight. Fair. Playing yeah. games on an NFL Sunday is the dumbest thing this league can do and continues to do. Just the stupidest thing ever. Do not go up against the NFL. It is a bad idea. It will lose you rating the ratings battle every time, considering your ratings are already bad. Just don't do it. Just avoid it at all costs. Just play on Saturdays. Try and go up against college football. Just don't play on Sundays, man. Just a bad idea. When you're putting LAFC on a Sunday, man, what are you doing? What are you even doing? What I, uh, are you even doing? I was uh, talking to Manny Hill, friend of the pod, on Sunday it was, and we were, you know, just shooting the breeze on the on the exchange over from from shifts. Mm-hmm. And we noticed that the WNBA, I want to say, had a finals game going yeah. on. At I think they had game one final. Game one of the finals is going on the same week, as, like at the same time as NFL kickoff week one. Yeah. They had game one going on the same night as, I believe, the first game of the season between the Rams and the Bills, two of the high-flying teams in the league. What are we doing? What what are all these these executives, what are we doing? It, it's the NFL. Know. You're not going to beat them. No, every to... other sport league understands like, oh, we should probably get out of the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It Work doesn't make sense. Them. Yeah. All right. 
Let's see here. My second pick. I'm going to go to your well a little bit. The well that you always pick on or that you pick up here. Luis Amaria will score at least three goals in these final three matches of the regular season. I like that pick. I like at that least three goals in these three games. Write it down. I'm going to go to a guy who has had woes goal scoring this year. This year. Abudin Lottie? No. <laughs> I would say he plays like Abudin Lottie as of late. Oh? Hyungmin Sun. Oh, you're going Premier League. Going Premier League. He has played eight matches across both the Premier League and Champions League so far. Uh, yet to score a goal. Not great. We he's... going washed up, Sonny? No, I'm not going washed. I'm going, he's going to score this weekend and get his 2022-23 season underway with a goal, um, at least one, this weekend when they take on Leicester. I'm so jealous you guys get to play this weekend. I, I don't understand why uh, Manchester United don't play another Premier League game until literally the weekend I'm there. The first Premier League game they'll play right. in 20 days is against Manchester City at City. Like, wow, what that's a layoff. Fantastic. I mean, that's going to be amazing. The amount, that's the brutal. Atmosphere, the atmosphere, though, is going to be great for, for you. You mean um, for Holland to score a hat-trick against Harry, he, Harry Maguire? Did you, did you see his goal today? <gasps> against, oh, my. Dude is a machine. I don't uh-huh. understand how that a kid that young is so freaking good at literally everything. I see that I'm like okay, you know what, and then I get, and then something reminds me he's 22. Yeah. So he they're they're gonna make the prem. I mean, it's not that it's boring already. Even more because it's like who's gonna beat them? Who's yeah. gonna beat them? It's so it's not many ridiculous. teams. It's ridiculous. not many teams. That's for sure. All right. Third and final, write that down for the evening. Minnesota will get three wins from their final three matches of the regular season. I know I just predicted in the predictor that it'd be a draw, but uh, I'm saying screw that for write that down. Three wins out of three for the for the final three matches of the season. Write that down. Uh, my final, write that down, and we've been talking about them, and they currently are still drawn 0-0 against Real Salt Lake. Has it kicked Austin off uh, officially, yes, according to what I have. Um, Austin FC will finish outside of the top three in the Western Conference come the end of the regular season. Juicy. I love it. Not even just dropping down to three. They will be out of the top three. And I want, I've been sitting on this one for, I want to, since I almost made this last show. <laughs> I needed a little more. The, the, the gap was a little wider, but now that it's so close and they're only – if the result holds seven point, er, six points above uh, Dallas and Na- – er, above Nashville, excuse me. Yeah. Um, it's – I'd be okay if I, they got a draw tonight because Real Salt Lake is so close behind Minnesota. Just yeah. keep them from getting three points tonight so yeah. they don't jump Minnesota in the standings. But from here on out, yeah, get the loss against Nashville, stumble against Vancouver. can't remember who their last game is against. Colorado stumble against Colorado. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been Write That Down for the evening. That has been Loon Talk for the evening. Jonathan Harrison here alongside AJ Fredrickson, our trusty producer, and a soon-to-be fill-in host for the radio broadcast for Minnesota United coming up uh, that game, that one you're filling in for me while I'm in uh, jolly old England uh, to cover the Vikings. Um, That one is the San Jose game, the 9.30 p.m. kickoff. You get a late-nighter. I so I get to deal with Grumpy Dan, yeah, late late night Dan. Yep, um, <laughs> a little a lot less scary than uh, your uh, your performance yesterday. 
yeah. just totally sold because I wasn't even on the board. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah no that'll be that'll be a fun time i'm i mean i'm looking forward to it 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 it, i'm happy that you're able to go and do that and everything like that but i it's one of those like i wish you were there but also (laughs) i'm happy i'm I'm more than happy to fill in it'll be a it'll be a very fun time uh hopefully we get to cover a win a big win um especially that late night so um yeah, I normally for those, those kind of games, the second to last game of the season, you're scoreboard watching and you're jumping in, uh-huh. letting Dan know of live scores. But since it's a 9.30 p.m. kickoff, and every other game's already finished up, so you won't have to do that. I can't wait because it's San Jose for yeah. there to be some type of inclement weather down at <sighs> PayPal Park, and that's going to make a 9 o'clock start turn into a 9.30 delay of game for lightning, and then all of a sudden we're wrapping up at 1 a.m., <laughs> And Dan will be happy he does the broadcast from his home, so even better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so broadcast this weekend, Minnesota United taking on Sporting Kansas City down in Kansas City, a place that has been a house of horrors for the Loons outside of the playoffs. The Loons looking to turn that around. Noah Manurinosa this weekend, but Dan Terra will be back in the play-by-play chair. I'll be back in the host chair, and A.J. Fredrickson will be back in the producer chair coming up on uh, 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com and the Score North mobile app, 7 p.m. pre-match show, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on 1500 ESPN. Can't wait to have you guys join us. A.J., can't wait to talk to you on Saturday, sir. Yep. Talk to you then. Thanks again for having me Uh, and everybody make sure if you haven't already leave likes, five-star reviews and everything like that. Always a fun time to uh, join you here on Loon Talk, Jonathan, and I'm looking forward to talking to you this weekend. Be back here on Loon Talk next Monday night and sending out the podcast the very next morning. So Loon's fans, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. And while the NBA season is still pretty new, there are some interesting storylines going on. And for me, one of them is, let's call it a shift in expectations, because there are a couple teams that we expected to be not necessarily pushing the accelerator in the early going in the season, maybe seeing Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, this purportedly strong 2023 draft class, and going, hey, we could be a part of that. And that would be the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. Both teams are over 500 with some nice wins. And this isn't fluke. They're playing well so far, and so we will see how they build on this, how they react to it. Do they keep pushing, see if see how it can keep going, or do they change directions through trades and everything else? So that'll be something to watch in this year where the draft class is, is strong and these teams have incentives going in both directions. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue from the Real GM Radio Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, in-depth analysis, and live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Can check in on your favorite games and events, including the baseball playoffs, start of the hockey season, MMA, boxing, and golf, plus sports podcasts. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts.